is Isaiah Davis Allen, and you're listening to No Pro Lacrosse Talk. On Shriver. Snyder with scores! Now it's yeah. Cadell scores! Hands off for Rabel, switches hands and scores! Kylie O'Miller showing off those shifty skills. Right off the bat, there's Lyle Thompson! Welcome to Season 2 of the Pro Lacrosse Talk Podcast, the voice of Pro Lacrosse. I'm Hutton, he's Adam, and together we're bringing you interviews from all your favorite players and coaches, as well as news and analysis from all four professional lacrosse leagues. We're here with Isaiah Davis-Allen, 2017 NCAA champion with the University of Maryland, 2019 MLL champion with Chesapeake Bay Hawks, defender with the Philadelphia Wings, and 2020 Dave Huntley Man of the Year. Isaiah, thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? Good, man. So how are you guys? Good. We're doing great. Uh, we appreciate you jumping on today. We hope your Labor Day weekend's going well. Um, you know, just to get started, we kind of want to talk about, you know, how you started first playing lacrosse. I know you come from a family of athletes. Your uncle, Maurice Davis, played lacrosse at Rutgers. Uh, your sister, Josephine, was playing soccer. I don't know if she is still, but she was at DeSales University. That's actually my alma mater, so I think that's a little cool connection there. Um, and you're a multi-sport athlete yourself, so talk to me a little bit about when you started playing lacrosse and then how you eventually found yourself at uh, St. Stephen's St. Agnes playing lacrosse and hockey there. Yeah, so um, being a D.C. guy um, back in, like, the mid-2000s, uh, like, lacrosse wasn't a big thing down there. So mm-hmm. everyone kind of played. It was football, basketball, baseball-type area. So growing up, I, I, I mean, I always played football, hockey, and baseball. Mm-hmm. So um, did that kind of all growing up. And then I turned about 13, and it was always a tough transition, going from hockey, super fast-paced, and baseball to really slow it down. So mm-hmm. – you know, me being like a young kid, I was like, man, I can't play this baseball thing anymore. Let's play something a little bit faster. So I started playing a lacrosse back then. At that time, I didn't even know that my uncle played. Okay. Wow. And um, started playing and like he watched the game and I forget what exactly he said, but like it was very in-depth. And I remember being like, whoa, like, how do you know this? And he was like, yeah, man, like, so I played at uh, Rutgers and, you know, I also played at at a Pingree, which is a private school up there in New Jersey. And um, so from that point, he kind of trained me all the way up through high school. And then obviously that stopped once I got to a Maryland, but that was kind of my whole tie to the sport. No, that's awesome. And I know you, you were coached by coach Trigg too with Black Wolf. Yeah. And that's how you kind of ended up at St. Stephen St. Agnes. I actually played with Joe Kenna uh, before he transferred there. He was like two grades below me. I played with all his family. So I know that you played with him, I think for a few years at St. Stephen St. Agnes, right? Uh, yeah, man, the uh, Kenna clan, like, pulling up in the <laughs> truck and having, like, 35 bodies jumping out of the truck. Oh, yeah, hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> Class, oh, yeah. yeah. I was actually just at uh, Nick's wedding recently, and, uh, again, it was like, you know, yeah, everyone just hanging out. It's a great family. But, uh, yeah, talk to me a little bit, too, uh, you know, being at St. Stephen, St. Agnes, you know, how was that kind of helping your uh, progression towards, you know, eventually playing in college? Um, I think for me, um, where I grew up, uh, public school lacrosse isn't the best. So, you know, being able to play, you know, the best of the best in, in the D.C. Maryland area, St. Stephen's was the obvious option there. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually supposed to go to Apollo 6. Okay, yeah. Um, Another good school for lacrosse. So, so I had – but they were just – at that point, they were just on the like, up and up. So it wasn't, like, great yet. Mm-hmm. But, um, like, I had my uniform and everything and kind of made a last-minute switch there. So I uh, ended up going there. I mean, for me, academically, it was really tough. So – had to get caught up with, you know, academics, especially English and sciences and things like that. So 
had to sit out my first year in football because it wasn't going so well the first semester. Um, then as far as on the field, obviously, you know, playing in the IEC, you know, one of the best conferences nationally, that really helped me out. And then going from there to, to college, I mean, I was playing against the, the exact same kids, right? Mm -hmm. Playing, you know, I grew up in high school playing at IEC and, you know, like MIAA kids. So it's the exact same kids in college. So. Yeah. 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 So let's talk a little bit about kind of that transition to college playing for coach Tillman. Uh, what really drew you to Maryland? I mean, obviously there's, there's the obvious reasons, right. To, to go and play in Maryland, but what really kind of piqued your interest about playing for, for coach Tillman? Man, I think uh, to be hundred percent honest, man, I went to state seeing those are really like private preppy school and I freaking hated it. Like now, I mean, like I see the whole benefit and, you know, going to school and obviously made some good friends and things like mm -hmm. that. But I mean, that just like wasn't me as a person. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know like, how much you guys know, but I'm like a Harley guy. Like I got tattooed. Yeah. Like I'm not a St. Stevens guy by heart. Like, <laughs> so going, you know, choosing like my process, I was talking with my mom at the time. I was like, mm -hmm. you know, like you chose high school. Like, I'm choosing college. Like. Mm -hmm. So I went through the whole process, you know, Hopkins was early and Maryland was early probably because I was like a local kid. And um, I, I remember going to a visit and at that time, I don't know if you guys remember, there was a kid named David Solomon. Mm -hmm. He was a St. Stevens guy. He was blowing it up back then. And he was from kind of my same area in Fairfax County. Mm -hmm. and, and I mean, like I've known him since I was like little. And so Coach Tillman kind of, I think, used that whole tie knew that, that his family and my family were close, went up there, saw, saw D saw was like what we used to call him. And then um, visited, met everyone, saw how diverse the campus was. And I remember watching practice. And I mean, not, so this is probably my second or third school going to. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I remember watching those kids play so hard and like people were almost fighting on the field. And I was like, this is where I, this is my <laughs> this is where like, I need to be at. And, you know, I ended up going there and I never looked back, so. That's awesome. And you obviously had a great career there. Uh, you know, you guys made it to Final Four every year you were there, back-to-back uh, -back championships. Unfortunately, there were losses, uh, you know, in your 2015-2016 season. Got over the hump, 2017, you won that championship. Talk to me about the progression, you know, going through it with these guys uh, those four years and finally, you know, reaching the pinnacle of college lacrosse. Oh, man. I mean, it was tough. Like, so, I mean, my, fr my freshman year, like, my class, we all played pretty young. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you got me, you got Colin, you got – Matt Rambo, like rotate. All of us were kind of playing from our freshman year all the way through. So yeah. freshman year, you know, like we got there and everyone thought that we weren't supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. um, just with us being so young. Um, obviously, like a little bit of a shell shocker, you know, playing your first Hopkins game and then like playing Cornell, like schools like that, that you kind of just grew up watching. And then after that year, our sophomore year, having a year, you know, under our belt, Battled through our sophomore year. Like, we had a few tough losses that year. Really had to grind through that year. And I think when, when we played Denver, I mean, that was such a polished team. Yeah. And we really had to grind through just the entire tournament. Yeah. So, I think by, by the last game, we were just dead. Um, third year, when we lost to North Carolina in overtime, man, like, that one was a heartbreaker. Like, I thought that we had it up, you know, up by two or three late. Um like, we were playing a really good ball. I hadn't lost since, like, the third week of, of the season. So, I mean, that's when I really want back. Because, I mean, sophomore year was, you know, we weren't even close. Like, that entire game, I was like, Jesus. Like we were really, really trying to scrape up here. But that North Carolina game, I really felt like we had. 
and like out prepped them, out played them. Just you know, it's how the ball falls sometimes. And then my fourth year, like that. I mean, we weren't gonna lose again. Like I mean, yeah, yeah. we just worked so hard, did everything extra, like really made sure everyone was bought in that year. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we kind of dominated through like the entire tournament. So. Yeah, you guys crushed it. Yeah, we talked to uh, Matt Dunn a couple weeks ago about kind of losing those games and how excited he was for you guys to kind of overcome that and and win even after graduating. So it that like the family atmosphere seems uh, really strong, obviously. Yeah, and I mean, I'll just speak on that a little bit. You know, everyone always like thinks that it's you know Maryland guys like love each other and hate everyone else. That's that's not the case. Mm -hmm. We just happen to be super close, and I mean there's a lot of us playing pro lacrosse. So obviously it's a natural, just kind of link there. So we stick together in almost everything we do. Matt actually lives like three blocks away. Oh, really? That's, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so let's, you, you mentioned kind of so many of you guys are playing at the next level. Let's talk about you making the jump uh, and transition to the MLL. What was uh, kind of the biggest adjustments you had to make once you hit the field with the Bayhawks? Um, man, it's, it's a man's game there. I mean, like, I think that's kind of the biggest adjustment. Like, like, you know, like I was playing in college, like, you know, like real good college player Then I'm getting up there and it's like, you know, I've always been a footwork guy, not necessarily like a meat stick. So then all of a sudden, you know, I'm like running with guys, but guys are like shooting through me pretty much. And that was a big adjustment. I was like, man, I, I need to get a little bit bigger. I need to get a little bit stronger. Um, you know, Speed, I, like, I was fine off the ground. I was fine. But just size-wise, I mean, these guys are, like, 30 years old. So, it took me about – you know, I played well my first year in making that transition. But my second year was really when I started picking it up and understanding. Mm-hmm. And it's just a different ball game, man. It's, like, not – I would say in college you're a little bit more, like – it's a little bit more like a cardio game. Just, you know, like, running up and down. Like, kids, like – kids aren't leaning through you, taking, like, kind of crazy shots. It's more so trying to beat you with ball movement and speed. Mm-hmm. I would say pro lacrosse is more like an individual thing and people like really like going at you hard. So, I mean, it's less of a cardio battle, more of like a strength, like, you know, just being an athlete. So I definitely had to change, you know, my body a little bit to, to be really good in pro lacrosse. No, that makes sense. And you mentioned the speed that you, you possess. I got the, a little bit of that firsthand. I actually went to a Bayhawks game, I think your rookie year um, on like a Friday and then I played in that triple edge league for a little bit. I'm now in Jersey, but I was in Virginia at the time. And uh, yeah, I, I played against, against you guys, uh, the Hawaiian shirts, Huzzah, I think the Hassah dudes or whatever. Yeah. You're just running circles around everybody. And you weren't even really trying that hard too. You're just a clearing machine. Um, but uh, I thought that was ironic that I'm like, here I am watching, you know, a guy playing the pros and then I'm having to face him uh, in, you know, rec league. But, uh, you know, man, like this is like something that I, that people ask me all the time. And like, you're, you've actually been the first dude that it's ever really known about me playing in men's league down there. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, like I've always done that. Like even back like when I was in college, just coming back and playing because there's nothing, everyone thinks you're super good in this like stud athlete in college. But there's nothing, nothing will humble you like your friends from growing up. <laughs> yeah. so, like I would go back and get like chopped to shreds. And, and I mean, I felt like, you know, being home was nice. Talking to my old buddies was nice. But like, that's something that I felt like really helped me on a personal level. Like, you know, like keeps your ego in check, right? Like you go back there and those kids know stuff about you that no one else knows. <laughs> and they're not afraid to exploit it. So that was yeah. part of like that league for me. No, that's funny, but I, I don't think you got shredded too much when we were playing against us. But, uh, it, I, it, I think we always gave you guys a good game. You guys won the league quite a few times, and we were never, like, that competitive. But, uh, 
yeah, it was always a good time playing Triple Edge. I, I kind of oh, miss it. <laughs> um, but going off of that, too, let's talk about, you know, you, you get, get a rookie season under your belt. Um, and then, you know, 2018, you had a good year as well. And then let's talk about, too, 2019. You guys finally reached the pinnacle, you know, of your pro career, winning a, a MLL championship over the Outlaws. Talk to me about getting that first pro championship under your belt. Man, I mean, it was special. You know, you know pro lacrosse is – it's very different, right? It's not like the NFL or at the NHL. We're kind of in weekends, and it's a lot of, like, personal study and, you know, making sure that you're on a personal level in shape. You don't have a strength coach. So, mm -hmm. really, I mean, I think it takes so much discipline. I mean, that's kind of step one. And I, and I really felt like we prepared better than every other team that we played. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. Coach Burdick, our, our, our defensive coordinator, is top-notch. Like, I think he's one of the best guys in the entire country, like, really drawing stuff up, knowing what's going on. And then obviously playing with Coach Cottle was special for me, just being, you know, a Maryland guy. Mm -hmm. And playing with guys like, uh, you know, Brian Phipps, Vern Hart, I thought, like, Andrew Q was awesome. Warren was awesome. Um, like, our rookies that year were amazing. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> kind of the um, underlying story there that a lot of people don't know is that Jesse Bernhardt's dad passed away mm -hmm. a few months prior to that. So, you know, in my experience winning, like, any, you know, type of championship, <clears throat> there's always been some kind of outside factor like that mm -hmm. that's pushed the team, you know, like over the hump. Like I believe more North Carolina's head coach, like child passed away or, or, or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For us, uh, coach someone's mom passed away. Like mm -hmm. it seems yeah. like there's always some kind of X factor there that kind of pushes the team through. No, that's awesome. And I know I always love that story because not only did Jesse win with the MLL, but Jake won also in the PLL. And I just thought that was, you know, something there at work, I think was amazing. Um, and then let's talk about this season a little bit too. So you and three of your fellow African-American players in the MLL decided to stand in the center of mid midfield, kind of draw attention to the racial injustices going on in our country. Talk to us about, you know, the conversations leading up to that uh, season and what you guys kind of came to, like how you kind of came together to decide like this is what we want to do this is the way we're going to do it um and you know why it was important for you guys to do that yeah um so I I spoke with like all the guys and you know kind of brought them all in the same room and kind of hear everyone's you know side of everything and mm -hmm. just knowing what the the national context is and wanted to make sure that all of us were, were on the same page and no one was kind of isolated, isolated and doing like their own thing so we spoke and, you know, that first night it was really more so just about stories. I mean, I, I had a really good experience at the university of, of, of Maryland. And, you know, I didn't realize that our sport has such like a culture issue until speaking with those guys. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like I've, I had an idea, like it wasn't great, but you know, again, man, I'm from the South. I played hockey and I swam like, but like to, like to me, I just didn't even really pay attention. Mm -hmm. So kind of heard their stories. And I was like, okay, like this is a problem. Let's, you know, try to, you know, bring some light to the overall issue. So from that point, we discussed how, you know, we were going to protest or, you know, stand, stand or like do whatever. And um, it turned out to, I mean, obviously, you know, we didn't want to take a knee, like we're sitting at the Naval Academy. Um, so it, you know, after, you know, a few hours, we, we talked and we decided it would be good to, to just stand at the 50 yard line, just us being at the face off dot and standing. Mm-hmm. Um, we ended up getting like a lot of backlash from both sides about that because I mean, you know, like you get the classic people that say, well, don't bring politics into sports. Mm -hmm. And then you get the other side of it saying, well, you guys aren't, aren't doing enough, but you guys should be kneeling. 
So, I mean, it was definitely our choice, like something that spurred up the conversation. And really, that's all I, I was looking for on, on, on a personal note is to start the overall conversation. Mm-hmm. No, and you guys certainly did. And talk a little bit too about how you think we can kind of progress and make the sport more inclusive. Um, you know, what are these, some of these conversations that you can share that, you know, kind of drew attention to the overall issue? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll speak on kind of how I think like, the sport can change just in general. I mean, one, I mean, it's got to be cheaper, right? Like, I've, I, I, I've talked with a lot of, like, CEOs and a lot of people like that. I mean, you even look at sports like – like, even youth soccer. Like, sports in general these days are so expensive yeah. that, I mean in, – and, you know, we, like, we were talking about it as being – the sport needs to be as inclusive as possible, and a lot of that doesn't have anything to do with race, right? Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of that has to do with just – the the economics of where all these people are coming from like mm-hmm. our sport has been the worst as far as only taking like the upper class upper like middle class kids mm-hmm. so to me that was always step one right like once it's once people can't afford to play then it's a lot easier to get people to start playing like the sport right it's just like hockey like you can't expect someone who doesn't come from a lot to buy skates shin guards pants whatever helmet three sticks like that's too much mm-hmm. so that was kind of step one and then on the second factor is in my experience coaching in PG County, DC, Baltimore city, like anytime that a kid's been bought in and, you know, doing really well, there's always been some kind of racial incident that went unaddressed. And the kid was like, why would I deal with this when I'm also playing football and I don't have to deal with the issue. Mm -hmm. So then that's when I feel like I've lost a lot of kids. So I was speaking with a few different people and, you know, what we're trying to do is we're trying to set up, you know, something like some sort of graph or chart that says, okay, when a racial action that is X happens, the consequence needs to be Y and Z. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, like at, at the end of the day, like I don't blame coaches. I don't blame like tournament owners. No one really knows how to handle this and there's no standard for it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, now that, you know, you give them a standard now, you know, like, you can hold people to, 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 to the fire a little bit and say, okay, like this happened and you, and you didn't follow protocol. Yeah. So no, like kind of our next steps, I think. And, and I mean, I think that would just make the sport so much more in, inclusive in general. No, I think that's good. I mean, you have U.S. lacrosse has done a lot of great things. Like that'd be a good thing for them. You know, again, I'm not going to put on U.S. lacrosse to implement, but like yeah, that, that's, we have the governing body in place to kind of make, you know, kind of make that protocol up. So if a race in- incident does happen, you know, this is what happens. And I think that's good to kind of standardize it because, you know, it is, you know, you do run into a bunch of different, issues but like we got to stomp it out completely like it can't you know can't go on anymore like you said because then you just turn people away from the sport that you know could be pros like yourself eventually playing and if you shut them out when they're you know young it's you know that's not going to grow the sport yeah yeah i mean like for sure that's always kind of been my stance on it um and and you know it's like not even like it's going to stop it really like i think just in general though it's the kid is going to look at the, the whole incident and say well it was a dress. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, I can think about, you know, for, for me growing up, I mean, to me, like swimming was the worst, like, mm-hmm. you know, being, you know, like someone of color and trying to swim, I thought was like one of the hardest things, but like, that's what would always happen. Right. Like someone would say something or, you know, someone would, would do something and I'd bring it up and like nothing would happen. I mean, you know, coach would be, all right, well, you know, I'm going to talk to a, their coach. Then it turns into this big, he said, she said thing. And it just never goes anywhere. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I think that the talk needs to just change to action, right? And I think you're someone who who takes action, right? You know, you won the 2020 Dave Conley Man of the Year Award this year. Talk about kind of receiving that honor and what that meant for you 
uh, being so involved with the community. Yeah, I mean, I mean I'm going to start by, you know, like I, I, I didn't know uh, Coach Huntley like, like on a personal level, but when I first got drafted, there were guys like Mike Evans, like on my team, like a lot of older guys that really were close with him. Mm-hmm. And, like, they always talked about, like, how awesome he was and how much of a humble guy he was and, like, really what he did to push the sport forward. So kind of having that base of it, I mean, like, I thought it was extremely special. I mean, just, you know, taking the time to, um, you know, talk with everyone and really I took it as kind of us for the MLL for the four like, players of color. Like, I felt like that was for all of us, right? Like, all of us had a lot of really uncomfortable conversations, gotten a lot of pretty heated arguments, like, and it was something that it was, you know, it was like we were isolated kind of from the entire group. Like it was something that we were standing for that really no one else 100 percent, you know, like understood. Mm-hmm. Not that people weren't trying to understand it and, you know, they weren't listening, but it was something that any way that you chop it up, you're definitely on an island with that. Mm-hmm. So I think all of us like, you know, stood up and said something and we all have like a different style. But, but I mean, I think that we balance, you know, each person out really well. And it was something that really pushed everything forward. So I take the, the uh, Dave Huntley, you know, that award as being us fours that all of us got. No, absolutely. I think you all, you know, deserve that honor just for what you guys did. And, you know, again, it wasn't easy. You said you got pushed back from both sides. So, you know, I commend yeah. you guys for, you know, sticking to your guns. For sure. Um, now, we are transitioning. But before we get to our five and five, I wanted to ask you, uh, about your your indoor experience a little bit playing with the wings uh, I'm from Philly originally so that was my squad growing up and uh, excited to see them back so talk about kind of your experience with the indoor in Philly I mean I'm going to take those two questions separately because like okay. a totally different conversation <laughs> than indoor. but I mean like indoor is great right like I think that as a professional um, league in our sport in lacrosse you can't really beat the whole setup of indoor um just the environment being inside you can really control the sound and control what's going on and from a production and like entertainment standpoint it's unbelievable Mm -hmm. and two like for me personally you know being an american there's not a lot of them who play indoor like playing at that level and seeing how fast these guys play how physical it is like there's a little bit of this like learning curve right Mm -hmm. you really have to learn the game there I remember when I first started playing like you know like PD would say something that I had no idea what he was saying like there's all this like slang and like I mean I I spent no time in Canada like I don't know like I didn't know anything about like what they were talking about anytime they brought up any kind of slang so it took me like a few months to really just understand what people were saying and trying to like and like try to input my skill set just just into the game. So I was lucky, you know, like, like the coaching staff was patient with me, and then I got the opportunity to play. And I feel like I'm in a pretty good spot now. Now about Philly, <laughs> <laughs> there is nothing like being a professional team in Philly. I mean, you can't beat those fans. You can't beat how rowdy it gets, especially indoor games. Like they love the fights, they love the hits, they love like kind of just being a hard nosed team. And I think that. Anytime that you have a team rooted in Philly, like that's exactly what that a you know the GM or whoever tries to draft. Mm-hmm. So I mean that's definitely you know what we have. We have a gritty team, hard nosed team. Maybe not like the overall like best talent on paper, but we work really well as a unit, mm-hmm. and we play ex- extremely tough because you know like Philly fans aren't going to tolerate anything less. So, no, I'm sure Adam loves it too, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Today I also want to talk to you about our affiliate Streaker Sports. Streaker Sports features an array of throwback t-shirts and apparel, including t-shirts of defunct major indoor lacrosse league teams such as the Baltimore Thunder, New York Saints, Syracuse Smash, and Boston Blazers. They also provide custom uniforms and shorts that are perfect for your rep team's upcoming lacrosse tournament or season. Better yet, we've teamed up with Streaker Sports to provide you with a special discount. Simply visit StreakerSports.com and use the code PLT to save 15% on your order today. Uh, let's transition to our five and five. Um, so I'll start off with lacrosse questions. The first one I have for you, are, do you have any pregame superstitions or routines? Um, not, no, like not really, man. Like I'm, I've always been just a prep guy, man. I just, you know, I strap it on and go. Like people always like make fun of me. I don't like tape anything, man. Like the, the stick and the, and you know, the, the gear comes in the bag. I take it out the bag and I hop on the field. But there you go. <laughs> Going off of that, uh, what's your current stick setup? So I use true. Um, I use an old uh, defensive head that they first came out with. I like a lot. I mean, it's a shovel, you know, like good off the ground. Um, I don't play with any whip. Mm-hmm. So usually it's like four shooters or, or, or just two shooters and really no channel. Gotcha. Something that I can pick it up quick. You know, my stick changed a lot from, from when I started playing indoor. Just, I mean, like I started picking up their sticks. They were really different. And, mm-hmm. you know, I felt like I, you know, the, like the ball wasn't sailing on me. I was real, real accurate with it. Mm-hmm. So I've been using that uh, shaft wise, um, really just the heaviest, you know, like a true shaft. I mean, it's been changing, you know, like throughout the last few months, but the hazard was like 400 gram shaft. That was heavy. It was stiff. Uh, Cause I had a problem in college just breaking a lot of shafts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then obviously indoor, you're, you know, breaking a ton. Yeah, so. Yeah. so that's how shaft goes. And then tape, I tape up like three quarters all the way up my shaft. So like, I, I don't like my hand to be on the uh, carbon fiber shaft or on the metal shaft. I always like to be on tape. Mm-hmm. So. That's always been my thing. Like, I used to do the same thing in hockey, too. Like, I was a big tape guy in hockey. Gotcha. And then uh, number three, which of your rival teams in any league uh, do you enjoy playing against the most? Man, I think uh, – I mean, like, you really can't beat Hopkins, I feel like, in college. Like, yeah. the tradition there, I think, is there. Anytime I ever played them at, at Hopkins, um, it was always, like, a homecoming day, like, sold-out event, like – that that to me I think is the best matchup in our sport. Mm-hmm. If you ask me, um, if I had to take a professional league, I mean I would say maybe indoor like any game because it's a battle every game and something yeah. crazy is happening every game. I mean, like we had a tough one against Rochester. Like we ended up beating them by a lot, but it was like a tough game, a lot of fights, a lot of people getting hit. So like that, that, that was a fun something game to this year. Yeah, that, that was a real fun game to watch. I mean. It, I, towards the end, it was like a fight every two minutes, I felt like. Yeah, like I'm going to turn it into something this year, so we'll see. <laughs> and then uh, number four, what has been uh, your favorite venue to play lacrosse at? Oh, man. Um, well, I, I don't think a lot of guys are going to know about this, but playing in Saskatoon okay. for, okay, yeah. for indoor is, I think, the best venue in the sport. I mean, they they sell out their stadium to like – I mean, like all I know is that they're not an empty seat there. Mm-hmm. And the ceiling's really low. 
so like sound bounces off the like the uh ceiling i mean i don't know too much about saskatoon but it looks like they don't really have anything else to do so mm-hmm. the entire city is at those games that's awesome now, now having said that like, on a personal level like, you can't be wells fargo yeah. either like i mean i don't care how big the stadium is or who's there that place is always rowdy that place is always crazy so wells fargo i think is like top two for sure awesome and then uh the final one who is a teammate that you've leaned on as a mentor kind of during your career yeah this might also stump people too i mean i said it a lot early on in college but it was for me it was always brian cooper mm. um like coming in my freshman year he was like the main short stick at that time I was playing offense for a while then switch over to D kind of in the middle of our season. And he like, one, he really taught me how to focus on the craft, like how to like understand like, Hey, you know, like, like anything like lower than perfect is substandard. Right. So anything that like you, you aren't doing perfectly, like you need to practice it until you can't mess it up. Mm-hmm. And, and like, he taught me how to watch film, taught me how to prep, like, you know, taught me how to, you know, like hydrate, like literally taught me everything. So that was like my biggest mentor. And then he left like after that year. And, you know, like if you talk like to him now, he'll say like the exact same thing. And he's like, I taught Isaiah everything, you know, that he knows. And it's a joke, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, he's not wrong. Like he definitely laid that foundation that I kind of built off of. No, that's awesome. All right. I'll take the off the field question. So you mentioned you ride your Harley all the time. Uh, What are some hobbies and activities you like doing when you're not on the field? I mean, yeah, I'm a motorcycle guy, man. Like, um, like I like, you know, hopping on the bike, you know. So I live in Baltimore. Like, I'll go into, like, West Virginia, like, go out on the shore, hit, like, you know, like, North Carolina and come back. Like, I'll I'll really put some miles on that thing. So so I like doing that a lot, you know. Um, you know, like, another hobby that, that I got, I mean, I work construction. So, like, I really like helping out my buddies with their house. So I'll grab some tools and go help out my buddies. Like, you know, like we just installed a – a wood floor at, at my buddy's house he just bought in Sykesville where like he has a leak in his roof like I like stuff like that you know mm-hmm. hands-on kind of being fast-paced a little bit like yeah any, like anything like that nice awesome uh number two who's a athlete in another sport you're really like watching right now man I mean I'm I'm a Washington guy DC guy like I mean, I think Young's going to be insane. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, like local product, yeah. um, you know, a, a DeMatha guy. Like, I remember yeah. watching him, like, come up through high school because yeah. I was in college at the time. Yeah. And, uh, man, I think he's going to be something special. So, I'm excited to watch him play. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, so, I'm a Birds fan. So, and we are, <laughs> and, <laughs> and our left tackle is out right now. So, I'm worried about him next <laughs> when we play you guys next week. It could be a rough game. Yeah, for sure. I can't believe uh, the NFL season is upon us. Too. I know, right? Crazy. <laughs> uh, number three. So, favorite spot to vacation? Oh, man. Like, you know, I'm not a big vacation guy. Like, I just mm-hmm. kind of run around. Like, okay. so, so I mean, that's hard. I mean, I really – so, I grew up going to a Martha's Vineyard, and that place is pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Now, it's any place I can get to on, on my motorcycle in, like, two days. Nice. So, I mean, if it's wherever, I don't yeah. care. Like, like, I'll ride it down to Florida. I'll, I'll take it up to, like, upstate, like, New York, like, wherever. Awesome. Uh, number four, favorite meal? You prefer to dine out, take out, or cook at home? Uh, well, I mean, cooking definitely a no-go. Like, <laughs> like, I, I can cook. But I don't enjoy cooking. So, um, <clears throat> man, I mean, I'm – so I live in Fells Point, Baltimore. So I got a lot of options around here. Yeah, sure. Um, I really don't think you can beat 
a steak at Tagliata. Okay. I, I think for me, that's kind of the go-to meal. I'm going to, uh, so I, I live in Baltimore. Well, I'm in Towson. So, no. but we're going to, we're going to get some little Italy at Amici's tonight. If you like Italian, that's a good one. Yeah. See, see, that's what I'm saying. And people sleep on the whole like Baltimore food scene. Yeah. It's amazing. Like, I don't think people know about it. No, no, for sure. Uh, and then my last question for off the field, everyone's been quarantined for so long. Uh, what's a book or kind of, uh, show you've been binging right now that over quarantine? You know, I've been getting back into the, um, the Peaky Blinders. Okay. Um, oh, hold on. I, like, I'm trying to think of a show that's not going to get me in trouble or someone that I start. <laughs> one, me I mean, like Lucifer, I think is a good show. Yeah. Um, trying to think, man, like, I'm, I, I'm not a big TV guy, man. Like I, like I'm not inside a lot. Like even you know during quarantine, like I was just on my bike all of quarantine. Like it was yeah. <laughs> definitely not staying inside. And then uh, that wraps up our five and five. But a uh, final question we like to always end on is: What is some advice you have for a young player looking to one day play lacrosse professionally? Put down the video games. I say this all the time. Like I mean, I think that the overall pro and people might get mad. I don't really care. Like. <laughs> the overall product of the game's gotten worse because these kids are not doing anything else. Like yeah. it's, it's either like they're playing or practicing or they're inside playing video games. Like there's no one like, you know, I remember growing up, like, you know, going to play basketball with my friends or hopping on the bikes and like, you know, running around like, and you, and yeah, it's fun, but you pick up so many other skills. Like, you know, like kids, I feel like growing up with me, were just in better shape from just running around like they had different skills like you never had to teach someone how to take a better angle because they already knew that from playing youth football or playing like pickup football from the time they were three like like to me that's like the biggest thing like just get outside and go do something instead of just sitting around like yeah and my situation was extreme but I remember my uncle would wake me up at four in the morning anytime anytime I was up in New Jersey and we'd be outside running around for four hours doing whatever Mm-hmm. and I mean like for me it was fun for me I was you know out playing basketball with my uncle or throwing the football around and it was mm-hmm. super early but it was you know it got me going and yeah. I think that's why you see like cardio now like like for me it's just kind of just second nature like I've always been running always been running around it's something that just comes kids now don't have that yeah no I think that's a, a great point yeah for sure um, well that wraps up our, our interview we really appreciate you coming on Isaiah uh, where can people find you on social media so both Instagram and um Twitter, uh, it's IDA underscore underscore 26 is my handle. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you hopping on. Again, congrats for winning the Dave Huntley Man of the Year Award. And uh, best of luck with the Philadelphia Wings coming up this season and eventually the Chesapeake Bayhawks next season. All right. Thanks, guys. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Today, I also want to talk to you about our affiliate, Smart Backstop. Smart Backstop is different from traditional backstops in that it actually attaches to your net 
preventing any missed shots up to four feet high and wide of the net. It can also be easily folded down behind the net for easy storage. Plus, this thing is built to last and is used by some of the top college teams. I'm someone who spent countless hours chasing missed shots in my backyard as a kid, and I wish I had this on my net. It would have saved me a lot of time and money on lost lacrosse balls. The best thing is right now, Smart Backstop is giving listeners $20 off their purchase and free shipping. Just use the code PLT at checkout, place your order, and then get practicing.